welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Got another Friday Q&A for you guys. Today we dive into many different topics. We talk about whether or not I would start another product line or if I would even start a product line or what other business we would get into. We talk about reverse dieting. We talk about G-Flux and how you could potentially recomp using this G-Flux theory of eat more, move more. We talk about uh, not developing bad relationships with food. We talk about unsupportive spouses when you are dieting and they are not with the program. We talk about a lot, again, specifically, mostly dieting related, a little bit of training stuff in there and some random personality stuff, uh, but really informative podcast I got for you today. A couple quick announcements. Go check out the Tailored Life Podcast Clips channel so you can get bite-sized nuggets of information that we break down from every single podcast. And before you listen to this week's show, I do want to encourage you to go check out the Tailored Trainer at tailoredtrainer.net. This is the completely revamped membership site that we put together that gives you access to daily training, expert advice, and it's less than $1 per day. Yes, it's $27 per month, which is just insane. You're not going to get this good of training program design for that cheap. I promise you that. Um, so go check that out. Again, that's tailoredtrainer.net. And without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Yeah. Tailored Trainer. It's a wrap. It's done. Like we're talking about it a lot on the podcast, but that's because we want you in. Yeah, it's time to sign up, guys. I'm <laughs> stoked though. But I literally put the final touches on the final program today. It was like <sighs> this airs like two or three weeks after. It I know. Launches. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the point is, is there's a lot of work yeah. going into this. Um, I'm actually, I was actually gonna post something about it uh, this week. I was looking at these pictures that Pow took when he was here. And I had like the, the app pulled up on my computer. So it was like over the shoulder shot. But then there was a shot of my face, like when I was on the computer and my, I just had bags under my eyes. I just looked exhausted. And it was during, I mean, we were moving. I was trying to, again, work on this Taylor trainer thing, but it was like, damn, part of me is like, dude, that's unhealthy. Like get some fucking sleep. And then the other part of me was like, Pal. the Taylor trainer, like there was a lot of work that got put into it. Yeah. So that would make for a good post. Like, I look exhausted and unhealthy, but the reason is because I was putting shit together for this. But I'm stoked, man. I'm so excited, and that's why we keep talking about it. Um, and I'm sore as fuck today from day one of power building, which was two days ago. Yeah. I did conditioning yesterday, the add-on, and then Monday was upper body day. And for the last three months, I think it is, I've been training with Jason Brown, right? Yep. Purely strength. So everything is... Besides some face pulls, everything is really low rep range. Um, so it's all strength-based. You know, and I hit PRs, felt good, really strong. 
Um, but then when the app was live, I was like, all right, dude, I got to pause for a little bit so I can get into this app and do the work that the people are going to be doing with us, you know? Um, and I went right into a hypertrophy program. So one, I'm sore as fuck because it's such a big change, but it actually worked out perfectly because in a classic periodization session, building a good amount of strength and then moving into a hypertrophy phase or vice versa is kind of like the perfect blend. For like sure. Building a lot of strength. So like when I did my last, on Monday it was nine reps. Next week it's seven reps of bench press. I benched more than I've ever benched for nine reps. It felt good. I didn't have a spotter because I was by myself, but um, and I was bumping three six mafia that had something to do with it too. I know you heard that from the yeah. office. But you you benched more than you've ever benched in nine reps and without a spotter. Yeah, that makes no sense. What do you mean? I mean that's like maxing out, right? In a way, but I I've built so much strength over the last really year. But now that I'm returning to nine reps, because I haven't done nine reps on a bench press in so long. I haven't done more That's than... a f- lot of reps. Yeah, I haven't done more than five reps on a bench press in like six months because yeah. I've just been focusing on strength. Um, but I've built so much strength that I hit 205 for nine reps, and I've never hit 205 for nine reps. Damn. But I didn't max out because I didn't have a spotter. Mm. So um, pretty dope. And then CJ came in and did the same thing. When I talked to him yesterday, he was like, same exact thing, hit... He's bigger than me, 235, I think, for nine. And he's never done that for mm-hmm. nine. I was like, damn, this is going to be a really good hypertrophy block. That's sick. I'm just, like, putting in work and just not really build. I mean, I guess I'm I'm not dieting right now for a while, so I might, might put on some muscle. But, um, but, yeah, I'm just sore as shit. And then I went to see Alicia right afterwards. And, you know, you get, like, sore after a massage. It's, like, the worst. I don't know how to ignore that. Um just because they're breaking down the tissue even more. It's like training hard, getting super sore from training and then going right into a massage. Like, dude, I was so sore in like the middle of my back. And Uh, yeah, in a good way. It was like that soreness that like kind of made me happy, but it sucked at the same time. For sure. But, uh, but yeah, the Taylor trainer is live. It's ready. Join it, get after it. We're going to keep mentioning it. So you might as well just get with it. Yeah. And if you have questions, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. I'm here to answer any questions. A lot of feedback already. Um, people that are in it. Yeah, yeah, um, especially with the handful of people, like, that beta tested it before we went live with it. Yeah. A um, lot of really good feedback. And the video that you put together is sick, for the, just for the instructions. Yeah. But it's way doper than I was expecting it to be, I will say. Your I was like, Expectations man, were not very high. Then. Well, I was like, man, you've been working on it for a while. Yeah. Like, what are you doing to it? And then I look over, and I'm like, oh, shit. That's way more clear <laughs> and helpful yeah, than I'd what I had helpful. in mind. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, slap the phone up and just leave it there and I'll just talk. <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm stoked about it. Um, there's really no announcements except that. So I think we're just going to keep mentioning it until something cool happens and we got to talk about it. Nope. I think we, it's it. worthy of keep talking about it. Yeah, 100%. All right, cool, guys. We got another Q&A this week. Um, we're going to continue on. We got a lot of questions from the Facebook group and on Instagram that we will knock out. Uh, first question comes from Tammy Liu. It says, when a client who is macro counting and working out has an unsupportive spouse who rolls his eyes, his or her eyes, comments that they are over, over the macro counting stuff, it can be a lonely process for your client. So what would you say to your client like that, and how do you support them as a coach? Well, Tammy, I hope that this hypothetical client isn't actually you and your husband's not actually listening <laughs> to this podcast. That was a very specific question. Yeah. Um, but if it's about your client, then I don't think you have any worries. But, um, okay. 
So how do you help a client who is dealing with somebody who has an unsupportive spouse, essentially? It's pretty hard because there's actually, and this is, don't quote me on the exact numbers or the exact data, but I have looked into this and I don't know if it's actual research driven or if it's just uh, uh, like an environmental style study, like a survey. They ask a bunch of married couples and they see what the answers are. But essentially they did something where it's like, if, and, and we, t- I talked about this with the guys because one of the coaches was talking to me about a, a female he coaches and how their husband, like it motivated him to change too. And now he's had a transformation with him too, Tristan. And now they both had transformation. Um, that's great. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of cases where one person has a transformation and the other one doesn't want to create change. And it actually develops resentment between the two. Because if somebody loses 20 pounds, gets really lean, whatever it may be, a few things happen. Number one, you have to acquire self-discipline to get there. Number two, you have to be self-motivated to get there. Number three, you have to have a glass half full mentality to do any of that, right? You're not going to be consistent. You're not going to be motivated. You're not going to get after it. If you don't look at every situation with a little bit more of a positive uh, standpoint or positive outlook, right? Um, On top of that, you drop weight, you're more confident. You're more energetic, you want to do different things because now you have the capability to do different things. Yeah. You're probably going to be more outgoing. You want to go see stuff. Like all the reasons why, like you listening to this, if you haven't created change yet, you should go create change because it feels fucking good. But if you, person A, does all these things and then their spouse is still in the past, not confident, not energetic, doesn't want to do those same activities because they don't feel the same way, doesn't have as much motivation, doesn't have as much self-discipline, kind of looks at the situations like the glass half empty, there's going to be resentment there. Totally. They're on two completely different pages. And this happens a lot. And in one of the, it's not a leading cause for divorce. I don't even know what the leading cause for divorce would be. But one of uh, a very common cause for divorce from the survey that I read is this transformative process when one person transforms through physical fitness and one person does not. Um, so it's it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough thing. And, and part of it is, I kind of go back and forth on advice because part of me talks to people about this stuff and I'm like, hey, don't pressure your significant other to do anything because it it can cause issues, right? If you're like, so I'm a coach, right? And so if if me and Shannon are ever going through something and I think I have like a solution, I have to be careful with how I approach it. For sure. Because a lot of times I get into coach mode and I'm like trying to coach her through it and the first response I get is, don't coach me. Yeah. You know, and, and I've actually talked to other coaches like, Oh yeah, I get the same exact thing for sure. Um, and so I have to be careful about that. Right. Because it's in the same sense, like I don't want to be coached. Right. Um, and this is even, I don't know what it is, but even with like Shannon is so good at being a mom that sometimes if I'm flustered or don't know how to be a dad for a moment, cause I don't know how to handle a situation with Blakely. She'll kind of coach me on it. And I get frustrated because I'm like, don't tell me how to parent. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even For though sure. like, I really need help figuring out how to do this right yeah. now. Um, so you have to, you kind of have to walk on eggshells. You have to be careful. There's a fine line there. Um, I think the best approach is having like some kind of, uh, like you probably heard us talk about it when Andre's your like marriage meeting, right? Where like yeah. once a week you sit down with your wife or your husband or who your significant other and you just talk, right? Yeah. It's kind of like an open there's nothing specific to talk about. It's not like let's sit down and talk about the things we don't like about each other or what we need to fix. It's let's just sit down and just open door talk. Talk about your life. Talk about my life. Talk about my week. Talk about your week. What's going on? 
Um, and when it's your turn to share, you share all the things that are going really well. And you don't push them to do it, but you're just like, honestly, I got really excited because I deadlifted 200 pounds. Like, that's, I'm like, I'm getting closer to twice my body weight, which just seems crazy, but I feel strong, I feel empowered, like, feel really good about that. Um, I uh, felt really energetic this week because I got good sleep, like, it was helpful, you know what I mean? Just, like, a couple random things. Don't, like, lay out your whole list because then they're like, okay, I know what you're trying to do here. Yeah. But drop a couple things that feel really good and just see if that rubs off on that person because if I think the best way to have loved ones create change is to lead by example. And when they see the changes happening to you and how they're positively affecting you, they might just want to do it, Yeah, you know, but if you're telling them they need to change, that's a little bit different, you know, um, low key degrading hundred percent. Yeah. And you also have to like work on, uh, like give or take. Right. So with me and Shannon, she never has, and probably will never have any desire to track macros. Mm -hmm. She, She really doesn't need to. Yeah. And I like tracking macros and measuring my food, right? So I don't think it's neurotic, weird, OCD. Like, I, there's nothing weird about that to me. But to the normal human being who sees me weighing a chicken breast on a scale in the kitchen, like, that's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. You know? So, like, abnormal. realistically, I'm, I'm the odd man out here, right? So how do I work with her on this, right? Like, how do I say, like, hey, I understand that you don't, like, you would love for me to not track all the time or not ask you how many tablespoons of water and everything so like how many meals per week do I need to let you just do your thing for you to feel comfortable right and realistically it was just one she was like I just want one meal a week where I can cook whatever I want you don't ask me any questions dope I can do that one free meal a week you know what I mean and so throughout the week like I'm like hey you don't have to tell me every little detail but just tell me what's for dinner like I will tell you what I want to eat and you can be creative with it whatever and we just kind of like give or take you know because I understand her perspective how she doesn't want me glued to a food scale, mm. right? And and I under she understands my perspective of like this is what I do for a living, and to me having abs is more important than having like cookies or ice cream. Like I just don't have cravings for that stuff. I'd rather look really fit and feel really fit and, and be good, you know. So explaining to her why I want to do things for me, and ex- her explaining why she likes the things she likes or does the things she does or thinks the way she thinks and then just understanding each other yeah you know what I mean meeting her in the middle and then I think that goes a long way so um even with like like Saturdays she's like Saturdays are are like family day right like I'd rather you not train I'm like that's not an option like I have to train six days a week like I don't have to but I want to it means a lot to me so like what do we need to do to figure this out right so so Saturday is my day to sleep in. We had decided on, and Sunday is her day to sleep in. Saturday, if I decide to go to the gym in the morning instead of sleeping in, that's my choice. Yeah, you know, like I would if I don't set an alarm and I really want to sleep in on a weekend, nine nine thirty at the longest I'll wake up. So as long as I'm home by nine nine thirty, there's just no issue because I'm home for the whole day. And then Sunday, I got to wake up early when Blakely wakes up and Shannon can sleep in. So if I want to sacrifice my sleep to train, that's on me. You know what I mean? But that's like, she's like, I don't want you to train on Saturday. I was like, well, I'm going to train. So what do we need to do here? She's like, well, let's trade sleep in days. Dope. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So I think that's just how marriage works. It comes down to that. Now, the last thing I will finish with, because I'm not a counselor or anything, so I don't know everything. But the last thing I'll finish with is if your spouse is unwilling to support you no matter what. I think that's where you have to have a pretty firm discussion. Deep. You know, 
if you and this is the like if you really loved me card where yeah. a lot of people will be like oh shut up like yeah. you can't throw that card out all the time but this is a situation where it's like look if you really love me you would want me to do what makes me happy yeah this is what makes me happy yeah you know what i mean and and you getting insecure cuz i'm seeing a transformation that doesn't make sense nope. you know i'm not pressuring you um so ultimately i think that's i mean that's a big thing and and you know what's like the sad part is it's usually women changing and men being sour about it realistically because if you look at like most like if, if when a female goes on a diet and they want to get lean they want to get healthy men's like do it hell yeah like you're gonna get fit you're gonna look great all you whatever you like i don't care do your thing you know what i mean um but a lot of times i'm sorry it's the opposite of yeah. what i was just saying right that's how i would be but also i'm already fit so i guess that's kind of like not as applicable um but when, uh, yeah, w- the opposite of what I just said, and I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but essentially they're not as supportive yeah. as the other side, which I think is sad. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, like, gosh, you should get with it. Just do it. Totally. You know? um, I think it all comes down to communication and the way you guys approach it yeah. before the trans- transformation happens. Yeah. Yeah. But Commu- yeah. Communication is is critical in any relationship and it's probably also the most difficult and neglected thing for sure i'll be the first to admit that like i'm not always best at it but i i recognize how fucking important it is for sure you know but all right cool we'll go on to the next one um the next one comes from Brittany Pittman. says what are your go-to research sites for training and nutrition tailoredcoachingmethod.com is the first one um Actually, it's not because I don't go to my own site to research stuff. But I have been told many times that that people will just go to the blog and just search something, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously go there, but I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you already do that. Uh, mass research review, in my opinion, is is something that every single coach should subscribe to and invest in. Um, it's a paid subscription, so you have to pay on in acquire the information that way but i think it's like 20 bucks a month i think it's pretty cheap or you can pay for the year um i think i actually purchased a lifetime membership like i just paid the top dollar and was like i get access for the rest of my life kind of thing um but mass research review stands for monthly application of strength sport or strength science i can't remember um dr eric helms dr eric trexler greg knuckles dr mike zordos um yeah, just those four guys. They are the research reviewers, and they basically each pick like two uh, papers to review every month. They also do a roundtable, which is really cool because huh. ev- it's almost like a mini podcast. Every single paper they choose has a full written review with graphs, all that stuff. And then they also do an audio that is basically going over it with their colleagues. So like if Greg does a research review on something, he will talk you through it and then the other guys will kind of chime in and ask questions and pick apart what the study is and there's always two full video presentations that are like an hour long and every month too so they put a lot into it um it's definitely for the more advanced that's why i said coaches i think if you really want to geek out and you want to know like deep dive stuff um some of which isn't even applicable to the gem pop you know so some of the stuff i'll listen to i'm like this is really interesting stuff I'm not going to apply this to anybody because yeah. I don't have any coach that coaches that need to apply this to, you know? Um, but there is a, I would say more than half of it is very applicable 
to, to our population of who we work with. Um, I'll throw Weightology out there. I'm actually not subscribed to Weightology right now, but I have been in the past and they do a really good job. Uh, James Krieger, it's a research review as well. Um, and the main reason I want to give them a shout out is because Brandon Roberts, the PhD chief science officer on our team is a research reviewer for Weightology. Mm. Um, so he does that there. He also does research reviews for our website once a month as well. We pick two studies and do that in, via podcast and blog. Um, but yeah, honestly, Mass is probably the best go-to place that I, like if I think of online, I'll, I'll go to JISSN.com as well, the Journal of International Sports Science Nutrition. Um, they update free papers every single uh week really like there's fucking thousands of papers on there the difference there is that you will get the literal paper so you'll get the abstract the graphs the conclusion the uh, reference points all those kind of things which is great but it's also harder for an average person to read interpret and apply and understand and understand And and the mass research review is nice because they're like here's here's that but here's how you actually interpret it because I am a researcher and I understand this better than anybody. And sure. I think a lot of people hate to admit that. They'll just read the abstract and they'll like talk about what they saw in the study and they're just in, they're incorrect, mm. which is why I tend to like, I, I look for research reviewers' thoughts on things. Now I just text Brandon and ask his thoughts before I create content on a specific topic because I think it's important to get an expert's opinion. Um. But that's a good place. Uh, and then other than that, honestly, it's just blogs. Like, I, I mean, uh, books is, is my big thing. I'll listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, um, I love all of Renaissance periodization stuff. They put a lot of good information out. Specifically, like if I want to learn more about hypertrophy specifically, usually I'll, I'll look at, see what Renaissance periodization is doing with their books and ebooks and seminars and webinars, things like YouTube videos. Um, if I want to dig into nutrition, um, it's honestly always books. Like, uh, there's a textbook. Oh, it's on my desk at home. Um, there's a textbook on sport metabolism at home, or like there's sport nutrition right there. Uh, muscle and strength pyramids always great. Fat loss forever. Like those are all books that you can revisit. You know, but as far as uh, blogs go, and I'm not just saying this. Like ours is one of the best when For it sure. comes to stuff. I don't know a lot of people who are putting out a lot of written content on deep dive topics like we are. So it's hard for me to even recommend, you know, somebody. Um, I know Andy Morgan used to have a great blog and put out a lot of content, but I don't know if he updates blogs as much as he used to. I feel like most people stopped. Yeah. Um, which I think is a dumb decision to do. But, uh, but yeah, I would, I mean, for any coach listening, I know she's a coach that asks the question. Mass Research View is definitely my number one recommendation. Dope. All right, there you go, Brittany. We got a question coming from Rachel Ray. What are your favorite books for continuing education in nutrition and exercise science space? Need direction on what to read next. Would love your input. Isn't Rachel Ray somebody famous? Yeah, it's a cook, I believe. I think it is a cook. Yeah, it's either a cook or... Yeah, it is a cook. Rachel Ray. Yep. Wasn't she on like a talk show too? No, dude. That was uh, Ricky Lake. I'm thinking of Regis (laughs) and Kelly. Oh, Ricky Lake. Remember that? Uh, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> That's embarrassing. Who? We were like in seventh grade. It was like a Maury show. It was like What's Jer- it? Jerry Springer and Maury like put together as a girl. It was Ricky Lake. Oh uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> it was like you're the remember, f- you are the father. <laughs> I remember Jerry Springer and Maury. Duh, but uh, Ricky Lake was like a ghetto talk show. <laughs> I used to. I remember like when we would have half days in high school. I'd come home 
And it's always during my the day. dad was always he would come home for lunch and eat and then go because he was I mean he sale he was a salesman so he'd be driving all the time he'd mm. stop by home make a sandwich eat every single time I came home at that hour and he was eating lunch he was watching Jerry Springer and Maury what? just laughing like <laughs> I always I never forget that I was always like oh. what are you doing shit is hilarious <laughs> uh, funny um, okay recommendations recommendation books. for books uh, so I kind of just spit off a little bit um, yeah. Uh, I'm always going to recommend Muscle and Strength Pyramids, uh, Fat Loss Forever. I think the the Science and Development of Muscle Hypertrophy by Dr. Brad Schoenfeld is really, really good. Um, but it, it ultimately kind of depends on what your niche is. You know, if you're just generally looking into nutrition and science and stuff like that, like if you want to go the exercise science and nutrition, metabolism, hormone route, you got to get textbooks. Yeah. Um, again, I, I can't – I always butcher this name because it's really long, but I believe it's uh, – uh, nutrition and exercise, uh, physiology of metabolism, or no, nutrition, metabolism of uh, exercise, sport, physiology, something fucking really long and crazy, but yeah. it's actually a really good textbook, not that, textbooks are never good, like, as a whole, like, if somebody's like, oh, what are you looking forward to reading? I'm never like, oh, a textbook, because they're so dry, but if you want to get into the weeds of like deep dive energy systems, exercise science, what's going on on a molecular level, um, that kind of stuff, sarcomeres, anatomy, you got to get a textbook, right? So that's a good one. Uh, literally just called Sport Nutrition. I can't read the uh, authors from here, but it's literally just Sport Nutrition. It's a burgundy book. That's a great one. Um, and then if you want to go more towards like the coaching route, science de- and development of muscle hypertrophy is like a, a bridge between textbook and coaching. And then straight coaching, Fat Loss Forever, Muscle and Strength Pyramids. Um, the Scientific Principles of Strength Training by Juggernaut's great. Um, the Scientific Principles of Hypertrophy by the Renaissance Periodization, Mike Isretel. That one's great. Um, oh, a, a good blog I should have said on the last one was uh, Stronger by Science. Uh, Eric Trexler and Greg Knuckles put together a really good blog. But they're also mass. They're also in mass. Um, so it's it's equal to that level as far as like there's not as many coming out because when mass drops, uh, there's like eight studies they review, full blogs, full audios. Like it's really – Was it once a month? Once a month, yeah. But yeah. there's a lot, right? Whereas most people who do a lot of blogging will drop like a blog every week. So that's four a month. I don't know if Stronger Breast Science does that many. But from a from a advanced or experience in scientific level, it's as high caliber as mass. Like it's really deep dive stuff. Um, but those are always going to be my favorite ones. I think like fat loss forever and muscle and strength pyramids are just like, they're the most well-rounded, uh, coaching books until me and Brandon start putting our heads together. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to say that because those guys are, I've learned so much from those guys over the years. They're, they're legends in space, but I'm really excited for, uh, and Brandon's really excited. He's hit me up a couple times. Like when do we have our book meeting? (laughs) So, uh, we actually sit down tomorrow as we're recording this to uh, kind of go over the table of contents. And for those listening, this is just a teaser. I'm not really going to tell you much about it, but we are putting our heads together to come up with a book. That's going to be extremely, extremely helpful. Very. I almost don't want to call it a textbook though, because I think you have to be like published with like a college level thing to be. Is it going to be a story then? No, it's, it's, (laughs) but that's the thing is like, I don't think you can call it a textbook unless you're like fucking in a college library. Book of information. Yeah. It's a nonfiction book. Fiction is fake. So. All right. But it's uh, but it's definitely going to be deep dive science. I, we're going to do hard copy. So it's going to be a literal 
Like you can order it on Amazon and hold it in your hands, um, <laughs> which I'm excited about. Nice. I mean, that's just a cool fucking thing. That's yeah, always that's, been on my bucket list. To crazy. Be like, go on Amazon and order my book, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about that because Brandon has the deepest level of science you can get. And I have one of the deepest levels of coaching application you can get because I've been doing it for so long with so many different people that I think if we come together and we each get to share our insights and, and information on singular topics from two different lenses, it's going to be just super powerful. Yeah. Um, so we have two different books that we're going to be putting together uh, and those will be definitely needed on everybody's shelf. But um, until then, Fat Loss Forever, Muscle Strength Pyramids are favorite coaching ones. Uh, science and development of muscle hypertrophy is great. Uh, scientific principles of, of strength training and hypertrophy, two different books, are great. And then some of those textbooks I said are always fantastic. Dope. Um, yeah. Cool. Great answer. Um, we got one coming from this long. All right, get ready for this one. Danny Cole. I have a job that is fairly labor-intensive. On an average day, I'll get anywhere from 10,000 to 25,000 steps a day. I have my fitness pal set up so it adjusts my calories each day based on how active I am. My base is set at my BMR, which runs around 1,500 calories on a day. I literally just stay home and chill. As I get my morning workout in and my daily steps and walking, it will adjust my calories up to around 2,400 to 2,800 calories that I should consume if I want to be eating the energy I need. If I want to be eating the energy I need to fuel how many calories I'm burning that day. My goal right now is to gain strength and muscle. I am fairly, I am fairly, it says fairy. I am fairly happy w- with how I look right now, and I am quite lean naturally. Eating around this 24 to 2800 calorie mark seems to be keeping my weight fairly steady or has for the last couple of weeks, and that's on me only working out four to five days a week. Now, my question is, is, is this a good approach to adjust my calories based on my daily activity? I work sh- shift work, so, I, I, so I'm away working in a camp for two weeks, then home for a week. So adjusting my calories, I think, is necessary for my off week and also to make sure I'm eating enough uh, for what I am burning during that time. Thoughts? I think that, you know, I think adjusting your calories based on your activity levels is a good idea for anybody who wants to maintain their weight mm. um, because you are adjusting your calories based on how much you're expending, which is basically another way of saying when I burn more, I'm going to eat a little more. When I burn less, I'm going to eat a little less. But regardless, I'm just fluctuating and maintaining that maintenance calories. Yeah. But here's the issue with this. 90% of the people listening to this podcast probably don't want to maintain Right. I mean, let's say 75% because hopefully some of you guys are doing this intelligently and listening to us and doing some maintenance phases (laughs) along the way. But point being is you either want to get leaner or you want to get bigger. In his case, he wants to get bigger. He wants to build muscle, get stronger, right? Well, in order to get bigger, stronger, more muscle, you can't eat at maintenance because what does maintenance do? Nothing. Can't do the same. Exactly. So if you want to lose weight, you got to eat less than you're burning, right? So, um, my point with this is if I wanted to, like in both situations, I'll answer his specifically next, but in the fat loss scenario, if I want to lose weight, I need to figure out what the bottom range is and then just stay there every day. So if he burn, if his maintenance is between 24 to 2,800, like let's say if he's moving a lot and it's 2,800, if he's moving just his average amount, it's 2,400, um, and he wanted to lose weight and body fat, I would say, hey, eat 2,400 every single day. 
There's going to be some days you're hungrier than others because you're moving more. But guess what? That's part of dieting. Your goal is fat loss. So those days where you're eating less and still moving a ton, we're going to optimize our progress because we're burning more calories. That's why you feel that way. So that's a good thing. It's not bad, right? Um, now, in his situation, because he wants to gain, I'd say, hey, that, that higher end, that 2,800 that you don't always burn that much, but you do on some days when you're really active, eat that every single day. The days where you don't burn that much, you're going to be in a 400-calorie surplus, which by the end of the week, if, if it's half the week, you're still only in you know 1,000-calorie surplus per week, which isn't that crazy if you're really trying to put on size. So the easiest way for me to say this is, is basically if you're trying to gain, take the top end range, stay there. If you're trying to lose, take the bottom end range, stay there. Don't fluctuate your calories. If you're really set on maintaining your weight, you can fluctuate your calories. But what you could also do is go, okay, I, I need to stay at either 24 or 2800 depending on my days. 2600 is right between that. I'm trying to maintain. I'm just going to stay there all week. Because at the end of the week, your weekly caloric intake is going to be whatever it was anyway if you fluctuate or if you just keep it right in the middle yeah. and keeping it right in the middle is way easier to sustainably adhere to period doesn't fluctuate as much and it's and then you don't have to change your diet yeah. right imagine if you woke up today and you're like oh it's gonna be a busy day at work you know like i'm gonna burn more and then you don't move as much you're like oh shit i overshot my calories now i gotta adjust tomorrow or you're like, I'm just going to eat normal, and then you go to work, and you step 25,000 steps today, and you came home, you're like, fuck, I got to eat an extra 500 calories because yeah. I move so much. It's just like annoying, right? So like go in the middle and just stay there every day. By the end of the week, it's going to be the same as if you had some high days, some low days, right? It's why carb cycling can be advantageous in certain scenarios, but if somebody just hypothetically or generically said, is carb cycling good, which is calorie cycling, yeah. for fat loss, I would say... It can be if it helps you adhere, but if your weekly caloric intake is the same at the end of the week, it doesn't matter if you cycle calories or not. As long as your weekly average is there, that's all that matters. So um, I wouldn't do it this way, man. Uh, if you're trying to gain size, gain muscle, I think the best idea is to go to the higher end of those that calorie range and just stay there every single day. Some days you're going to be um, eating higher than you're burning or whatever, but that's okay. That's going to put you in a little bit of surplus, and, and you need that to gain muscle and, and, and build strength. So own it, take yeah. it, you know, that's, it's not a bad thing. Um, and yeah, and I, and I always think too, like from, from a fat loss perspective, and I guess it could go from a gaining perspective too, it kind of builds an unhealthy relationship with food because what happens is people, they'll fluctuate their calories based on their activity level, which we know isn't super accurate anyway. Um, and then they get to a place where they're like, oh shit, I ate too much. Well, I can just increase my activity level or I want to eat something special for dinner tonight. So I'm just going to fucking run on the treadmill for two hours to burn enough calories to earn that. And then now we have this relationship with food that it's basically like punishment and reward, right? I punish myself with cardio because I ate too much or I reward myself with food because I did a bunch of extra cardio. It's not a healthy thing. Yeah. Like find balance in the middle and just go that route totally and, and stop being like the biggest thing too is people got to stop being in a rush yeah you know if you're not in a rush just get to your goal it's much easier to create balance and that's gonna be healthier yeah hey do you want quick easy and fast fat loss so fast that it'll happen in 30 days and maybe all you have to do is take a pill well you're shit out of luck because it's not going to happen it takes hard work and patience which is one of the reasons why I love Legion Supplements. They are open and honest about their marketing. And on the front page, they tell you that supplements don't overrule training and nutrition, but they do supplement a good diet and a good training program. So if your training's dialed in, your nutrition is on point, and you wanna get that upper edge and take things to the next level to get the best results possible for your body and performance, 
Check out Legion and save 20% today by heading to buylegion.com slash boom boom. Now, let's get back to the episode. Good. All right. I hope that uh, helped Danny. We got one coming from Caitlin Flanagan. Flanagan. I've recently progressed from under eating slash chronic dieting state for about nine months around 1,300 calories to reverse up to a maintenance state. Ended up at 1,900 calories, although I believe my true maintenance is around 22 to 2,400 calories. This is also with a high activity level. I am really interested in the G-Flux topic or eat more, do more. What is the best way to periodize my, tutri- my nutrition to get that to that G-Flux state? I still have a similar target of fat loss, but want to be cognizant of the best approach here, which is to continue my progression to a true maintenance phase before cutting again. Okay. So how do you periodize G-Flux, essentially? Part of it is, so there's there's a there's a very, like, ultra-specific and, like, kind of getting into the weeds mm-hmm. uh, answer for this, and then there's a very, like, simple answer for this. The very simple answer is everything is periodization if you're planning it. So if you're planning on increasing calories and increasing your training to create G-Flux, that is periodization because periodization is just having a plan. So even if you plan to increase calories, increase activity, and you optimize this whole G-flux idea, and then you just stay there, yeah. you periodize to get there, and then you just maintain that, right? And even maintaining that, if you're planning your macros to be a certain way, and you're planning your training to be a certain way, you're periodizing, right? So the simple answer is you're already doing it. Don't worry about it. The The complicated answer is is you kind of don't, because if your goal is G-flux, and this is the type of person I recommend it for, you get to there and you stop, right? So So scientific periodization or like the the nitty-gritty definition people like to hear is like you're going through phases right so like we're going to go into a fat loss phase and then a reverse phase and then a maintenance phase and then we're going to go into a lean gaining phase with mini cut phases along the way like there's all these different transitions like that's periodization right and that and that is like we do that with some people but there's also people where periodization is much more along the lines of like hey we're just going to get you to this one place and then you're just going to stay there right because for some people like she said like i'm already generally lean but i want to get a little bit leaner I might not encourage you to go through an aggressive cut again. Like there's people who are lean, but they're like, I would like to be a little bit leaner, but I also really love training hard. I want to have some muscle on me. I'm like, okay, well, why do, why don't we stop doing these like hard cuts and we'll get you to like your lean place that you're at right now and then slowly reverse diet while reversing, we are increasing activity. But I only recommend doing this if you are coming from a place that is lean and your biofeedback is good. Because if you do a cut first and your biofeedback is shitty at the end of the cut, like your hormones, your metabolism, your sleep, your stress levels, all that kind of stuff, you're lethargic, you can't reverse super slowly because you're going to be like maintaining those negative symptoms while staying lean and increasing calories and then the calories don't do anything for you. For those people, I'm like, hey, you got to put on a little bit of fat. So I think the best route to take um, and, and this has happened with many clients This has happened with CJ. Like I'm crossing my fingers to see if this will happen to me, but who knows if it actually will yeah. is you go through a cut just like I did. I got leaner. I'm happy with how lean I am, but I definitely could be leaner and I would love to be leaner, but I'm not like un- unsatisfied with where I got from this place. My biofeedback is great. I'm sleeping good. My energy in the gym is good. Like, I can't say that the diet really got to me because it didn't negatively impact me much, like, from a physiological perspective. So I'd be safe to go really, really slow with my reverse diet, like, slower than I typically would like someone to do and just slowly increase activity levels while I do that. 
that would optimize G-flux, right? I'd be increasing calories while increasing expenditure, hoping to build muscle and burn more fat along the way. Potentially possible. I think the more advanced you get, the less likely it is possible. It's why I don't necessarily think that it will happen for me. Um, and I think it 100%, I know I saw it happen to CJ, for example, and some of my other clients who haven't been training for years and years. They're dieting for years and years. They're relatively new to this whole thing. So it's easier for them to do that. But I think that's a good route. And those are the people I usually use G-Flux with is like, let's periodize a fat loss phase. So you, you, your periodization there is going for a long-term fat loss phase with diet breaks periodized in along the way to get you to a place that is lean but still healthy. From there, your periodization plan is a slow reverse diet while increasing volume, intensity, um, steps, your conditioning, whatever it may be, without making it miserable. Like you don't want to like, I'm going to do G-Flux and spend three hours a day in the gym and now you're just miserable because you're training all the fucking time but you can eat more food. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Oxymoron. But it's 100% an oxymoron. But people do it, right? Yeah. So, um, but we get there and then what we do is uh, we slowly increase calories, slowly increase uh, training until we get to a point that you're eating a good amount of food, you're training to your maximum output and then you just stay there. So the periodization plan from there on, which is kind of where you're at now, I think you already reversed, you're maintaining a good lean physique but you'd like to get a little bit leaner. Do more activity to match how much you're eating and then just stay there for a really long time, like six to 12 months and just see what happens. Yeah. You might recomp. You might burn fat very slowly. You might build muscle and not lose any fat, but because you built muscle and maintained your body fat percentage, you look leaner. Um, you know, and there's even, I, I even see people like, and this is where like you have to be careful. G-Flux, it doesn't always work. I think it's a great strategy for somebody who needs a reverse diet or who has already reverse diet or is maintaining a lean physique, but wants to get super lean. But I think there is also people that talk about eat more, move more that are uh, on social media, like influencers and stuff like that, that are super lean. And they talk about eating more. And it's like, and we know this, like just on the days that we film content, I'm like exhausted after my training session because I'm like, well, we shot content for an hour. So I was doing a bunch of that different exercise, full body. And then I trained, mm -hmm. right? And we don't film as much exercise content as some of these influencers do. So these people that are filming shit all day for their membership site or their YouTube or their Instagram or whatever it may be, and then they're doing their six-day-a-week training program, and they're telling you to eat more, move more, nobody can move as much as you do, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're doing so much shit. Yeah. Of course you're really lean and can eat a ton of food. Um, but the principle is there, and you can use some of it if you're in the right position. Um, but there's also times where... Somebody can't afford to do more or it's going to bang up their joints or whatever it is. And it's like you just need a deficit and you just need to lose fat. That's why it's it's completely individual. But, totally. um, but yeah, I think that's the best way to go about it. I think that's the best way to periodize it. And that's who should be kind of thinking about using it. For sure. All right. There you go, Caitlin. Um, all right. We got a couple more here. One from Vera or Vera uh, Bondaruk. Hey guys, first of all, I love your podcast and most of all your Q&As. So here I am. I have been training for the past 18 years. I am a female, nice. 34 years old, and my question is, how should a woman train in PMS? I have an idea and heard some stuff, of course, but I am really curious on your thoughts around this topic. Cheers and hugs from Russia. That's dope. That is dope. Love you guys. That's across the fucking world. Yep. That's so cool. Um, Good observation. What's her name? Uh, Vera, I'm guessing. Vera. Well, thank you, Vera, for listening, supporting the podcast. Um, all the way from Russia. Super fuck cool. That's one place that I would love to go. It's like, I have like a list of like 10 countries that I would love to go, but I'm also afraid to fly that far. Yeah. So I just, 
even Europe, man, it kind of scares me being on a plane for 12 plus hours. What? I don't know why. It freaks me out, especially going overseas. <laughs> I watched Lost too many times. It scares me. Have you seen Lost? No. Oh, my God, dude. Probably one of the best. Top three TV shows of all time. Yeah. So good. Um, seen it twice. Shannon won't watch it a third time. <laughs> but, okay. So, I, I think with this, like, I have two opinions on it. I have one opinion that says, you've been lifting for 18 years. You're advanced. You're clearly into this shit. And you have every reason to dig into the weeds and do this. The other part of me goes, don't even worry about it because people get sucked into this too much and it doesn't make that much of a difference. If you listen to your body, I think you're going to be totally fine. There's been tons of clients that I've worked with that we uh, we figure out when their their highest point of fatigue is because the, the female's cycle actually is nonstop. Yeah. Right? So there's... Uh, a luteal cycle, a flic- follicular cycle, uh, ovulation cycle. There's different phases, right? I'm sorry, not cycles, phases. Luteal phase, follicular phase, o- ovulation phase. Um, but it's it's 30 days, you know what I mean? So it's like you have like basically the pre, the during, and the post, and they're constantly going. So usually there there's people who have like a certain point of time during that that those phases and that cycles that is – the highest fatigue point, like they're, that's when they're the most drained, that's when they're the most lethargic, plan your deloads during that time. If you do that, you're doing plenty to adequately perform. And then the other side of it is just listen to your body, right? I know that the, um, I can't remember off the top of my head what phase it is because this isn't my specialty, um, but and it, it, there's a lot of really good books and, and content on this by like uh, female strength coaches and stuff, but it's not my forte, obviously. Uh, but there is a point uh, before the actual uh, menstrual cycle starts that you actually have a, a higher insulin sensitivity uh, due to estrogen levels, and you can actually train harder. So basically, your your body is is utilizing glucose at a more efficient rate. Glucose is the primary fuel for training. So there's some people that will encourage higher intensities, higher loads, like go hard during that pre-menstrual cycle phase because your body's primed for it. Yeah. Then you go into a phase that requires less glucose because you're not as insulin sensitive um, and you might be more fatigued. So let's do more aerobic work or let's do more deload style training um, and then rinse and repeat, right? So if you, it, but if you look at that, it, it would almost say like right after your menstrual cycle is done, what you could do is start a new program. So week one, it's hard because it's new, right? Like, like I'm sore from Monday because it's new, right? Not because the intensity was super high because it was week one. In fact, that's the lowest intensity week of the four weeks I'll be in this phase, this, this block, right? Um, but I'm building. It's hard. Week two, I add on top of that. So it starts to get a little bit harder. Week three, I'm like really maximizing everything. That's like the third week. I'm used to program. I'm hitting my highest numbers of the program. Um, that would be the, the pre-menstrual cycle week. And then you go into the deload, which you could place on the actual menstrual cycle where you have the highest fatigue and the least glucose utilization for training. Um, but if you look at that and you match it up to your, your cycle, perfect. But also, it's just like a normal training block. Totally. So if you match up the the high fatigue point of your cycle with your deload, you kind of naturally do linear periodization and progression as a whole. So what I've done in the past is I've always kind of just said, like, for some clients, it just doesn't affect them, and it, we don't even have to worry about it. Some clients, it does affect them, and they have, like, really strong and hard periods. So for them, it's like, hey, let's let's match up your deload with it, and then we're just going to program this like a normal four-week block in a linear periodization style, and we're just going to rinse and repeat because it fucking works, yeah. you know? So you don't even have to worry about it. You just have to know when those phases are for the initial 
plan so you know when to program in the deloads. Um, because for a, for a guy, I don't have to consider that. So if somebody starts with me and I know that next week is actually that week, well, we're going to do one hard week and go right into a deload. That's not very typical yeah. for, for a training relationship with somebody. But for a male, it's like, all right, well, your deload's fourth week no matter what. So we're just going to start and we're going to go until four weeks is up because you don't have anything to worry about until then. Um, but, I, but I also want people to know like a few things. Number one, to round this question off, number one, I am not the go-to guy for menstrual cycle-based training. Like, I'm just not. Like, that's just not my thing. Number two, I think a lot of people over, they over-complicate it. They overthink this this whole thing. I don't think a lot of people need to worry analyze. about it. They overanalyze the shit out of it. I don't think you need to as much. Um, and again, certain people, it affects more. And certain people are just into it. I have clients that track all of their, like, menstrual cycle stuff on their phone, and then it gives me more information because they're into that and they feel it more and it just, and it works great. If you, if, if it works and you can optimize it, awesome. And I think the more advanced you get in training, the heavier you're lifting, the more athlete uh, of an athlete you are, the more you should probably consider this stuff. Um, but for 90% or more of my clientele that I've worked with over the last 10 years, I literally don't even implement anything around it besides a deload. Deload. Yeah. That's it. Like that's as far as I take it. Um, what about and, biofeedback? Like listening to your body. It really is just listening to your body, you know, because, you know, if somebody notices at a different point of that phase, like even with diet breaks, when you're dieting, certain phases, maybe you have more cravings, maybe you're more hungry, maybe you're not as hungry. We can manipulate the diet to make, like if we're doing like a, a cyclical diet where we have some diet breaks, some deficit weeks, we can match that up to your cycle and it'll, it'll work. And I have done that too. Um, but again, a lot of people don't need to worry about it as much as people make it seem. Um it's not, it's not not a thing, so you can look into it. I just know for myself, like, I've just worked with so many people, and I haven't had to focus on this as much as I've seen people focus on it in the last, like, two years. Yeah. Like, it's become this, like, really hot topic that people want to dive into, and it's just, like, it makes sense, and there is science behind it, but I just have never had to really dive into it that much, which to me says something, because I've gotten a lot of great results with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, so... But yeah, I think listening to your body and then taking a deload on that week, I think is great. Um, if you have more sensitive hormones and, and more hard menstrual cycles, then dig into it. There's a lot of good blogs and, and podcasts, stuff like that on this topic. For sure. I think we have a couple, uh, blog or two on it. Yep. We have one uh, called Women's Health. I think we have one just about your period. Yeah. Literally. So. Cool. All right. Let's uh, move we'll on. Link those in the show notes or something. Yep. So they can see that. Uh, all right, next one comes from Christina Lyron. Says, how would you, or how would one achieve body recomp at maintenance? Similar to what I talked about with the G-Flux theory. Um, if I had somebody that wanted to, to recomp and I was just, it was just like, all right, you're like, I'm an artist, paint, it's a blank canvas, paint whatever you want, do whatever you want with this person. And they're, they're at maintenance and they want to recomp. My first thing would be this. Where is your starting body composition? Because that completely changes what I would do with anybody, right? Like, yeah. If you come to me and you're like, I want to recomp, but you also have 20 pounds to lose, I, of course you want to recomp, but I'm not going to focus on recomp. I'm going to focus on fat loss and just trying to build muscle through training in the process. And you'll probably build some, if not just maintain your muscle. And when you get lean enough, you'll see the muscle you already had and you'll look like you recomped. But really, you already had the muscle, right? Um, whereas if somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I want to recomp, and they're like skin and bones, I'm like, no, like we're going to surplus and you're going to put on some size. 
because that's going to make you look recomp. It's just that you think get leaner because you see lean people with muscle, but like you need to build muscle first, you know, or you need to lose fat first. But somebody comes to me and they're, they're healthy, lean, but they could be leaner, could be bigger and they want to recomp. I'm going to keep them at maintenance. Uh, in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to start at maintenance. I'm going to increase calories by like five to 10% into a surplus. But right after I do that, I'm going to match that surplus with more activity or more volume or more training, conditioning steps, whatever it is, basically G flux, right? That same idea of like, we're going to start at maintenance, but we're going to eat a little bit more and do a little bit more, but just a little bit. Um, your protein is going to be set at probably 1.1 to 1.2 grams per pound. So a little bit above body weight. Um, your fats are probably going to be at like 0.3 grams per pound, which is pretty low, but it's on the safe side of low. And then I'm going to give you as many carbs as I can. Um, I'm probably going to give you a uh, carbohydrate drink during your training. So 20 to 30 grams of highly brain cyclic dextrin and maybe some essential amino acids. Um, There's limited research on this, but I'm still a big fan of it. There has been research that showed more muscle growth and cross-sectional area of people's quads when they had the supplement because, well, we don't know exactly why, but I believe it's because of cortisol mitigation. It's one of the things they saw is it helped manage cortisol levels better. If we manage cortisol levels better, we stay in a more anabolic state and we potentially recover better, which is probably going to lead to more muscle growth. Um, So I'd probably add that kind of supplement in. They'd definitely be taking five grams of creatine monohydrate per day. Um, I'd really emphasize eight to nine hours of sleep per night, which is hard for a lot of people to get, but I'd be really pushing for eight to nine hours of sleep. Yeah. I don't get that, but if somebody was like, again, blank canvas, I'm serious, I want to recomp, I'll do whatever you say. You're getting eight to nine hours of sleep a night. You're having a shake during your training. You're eating just above uh, maintenance, and you're doing more activity than you're doing right now. You'd probably be on a... depends what training they were doing first but i'd probably put them on a five-day training split with one day of hard conditioning and one day of active recovery so this would look like upper lower um aerobic conditioning that changes every couple weeks and then uh push pull legs so upper lower conditioning push pull legs sunday would be an active recovery day so they'd be doing soft tissue work mobility and then like a walk a walk throw a weight vest on and walk for 30 to 40 minutes um Ideally, they're they're living somewhere sunny and they can do it outside. But now I'm getting really picky. Um, it, and that would be the split. The diet would be that way. They'd probably be eating four or five meals a day. 90% would be really whole food, micronutrient-dense foods. Um, 10% could be whatever the hell they want. That would be it. Damn. I mean, it's very specific. You yeah. Know, but I think that the best way to recomp is, is really – it's to stay at maintenance, but you're going to – push a little bit beyond maintenance and you're going to push a little bit beyond what you normally do for activity um, between training and steps and conditioning and then just get plenty of sleep and then a few supplements. But I think if you did all that, like there's no way you're not going to recomp. You're kind of, you're putting yourself in a very anabolic state from a recovery standpoint and you're, you're doing a lot of things that promote fat loss as well. Yeah. So I think it would lead to recomp. Cool. But you got to be really fucking committed to do all that shit. Disciplined. Yeah. I look back at some of the photos of me, man, like when I was uh, like a young trainer, like 23, and I was in the gym, um, probably right before living with you and slash living with you yeah. in Renton, um, like right when we moved in together. Like I was, dude, I was, I was like l- super lean. Yeah. But some of the pictures, I looked pretty fucking yoked too. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, that's that, like I was getting eight to nine hours of sleep a night. I like... 
the majority of my money I spent on like coaching and supplements because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm basically going to be on my feet all day. I'm going to train really fucking hard, harder than I'll probably ever be able to train again because I'm young. I'm eating a lot of food, but it's all super high quality, nutrient dense foods. Unbelievably committed, barely ever drink. Like it was just like pretty fucking rigid, you know? Yeah. But that's what it took. Yeah. That's what it takes to get that way. You did it. I did it. And now I I, I like having some drinks, <laughs> some beer. I, I hate that the beer I like is like the highest calories. Like I'll check the calories on the beer oh I like. Because like, I, I think I've told you my dad drinks uh, Bud Light Platinum. Yeah. I was like, dad, stop. Like you want a Mac and Jack's? Got my Bud Light Platinum. Like first of all, white platinum. Yeah, that's disgusting. Why not just get Bud Light? Yeah. Or better. Budweiser, Bud Heavy, yes. or Coors, yeah, Heavy, not Coors Light, you know. Coors um, Original, no, yeah, definitely Bud Budweiser. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, <laughs> for you, I don't like either one of them, dude. But um, I've been, I was drinking a, shame, uh, actually had my first Mac and Jacks ever, literally just like a week ago. Yeah, loved it. Um, they never sell it at the store, but I've seen people get it at restaurants in Seattle all the time and they never, you don't think they sell Mac and Jacks at the store? They don't sell the African Amber ale, the like classic one. What with the store line. do you go to? Red Meyer usually. Oh. They have, so Mac and Jacks has a bunch of different yeah. types of beer. They have all their IPAs and all that stuff, but they never had the African ale, which is like the, like the classic mm. one that most people get. Yeah. It's like their one they're known for. I don't know why, but they started selling it at Fred Meyer. So we got it. That was great. I had a Fremont brewery pilsner that was great um Super good. you've been the fremont brewery so cool yeah fucking love that place yeah i've been there a couple times it's really dope yeah um but yeah like i look up and then i, I like loggers a lot so i look i always like put it in my fitness pot i'm like fuck this is like three times as many calories as my dad you should like platinum look at the back of it <laughs> i don't think they, some of them have calories on it some of them don't oh gotcha. but yeah um like if you get like a nice craft bottle yeah there's no way they have no it. yeah but i'll type in vanilla porter or whatever it is yep. and it's like 700 porter. calories for a fucking goodness drinking coffee i'll have that for a, a fucking dinner yeah. you're not even hungry after you eat yeah. that shit or drink, drink that it. shit but eat the calories yeah cool all right um we got we can do one more here um if you ever produce oh sorry this comes from Casey Peters if you ever produced a product or a product line what would it be either personally or with TCM brand or both um that's a good question uh, with TCM um i mean number 1 books we have that already kind of in the works that's a long process i don't think Is that a we'll, product line I mean, if we do a line of them, you mm. know, because there's going to be, we already have like two or three ideas. And I'm sure once we write one, we'll be like, oh, it'd be good to write this one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. And we'll probably write multiple. I mean, like take Renaissance Periodization, for yeah. example. They have like seven books. I'm sure they wrote one that was really needed. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, That'll be within TCM. But I don't even think the first book will launch till like January 2022, to be honest with you. It takes a long time to write a full book that big and get it published. We'll probably do self-publishing. Just makes the most sense financially. Yeah. Um, but that'll be with TCM for sure. Um, I could see us doing like uh, either supplements or um, like exercise equipment, like like bands. Like I know some people that own companies that are like, I'm just tired of sending people links to random band companies. I yeah. want to make bands my way and put my logo on it. And So many people get bands. 
so many people get banned. So it's yeah. like, let's make TCM bands. Yeah. Um, we've talked about supplements before because it's like, you know, right now we're super happy with Legion, so I don't have any plans on doing anything like this, but that would be a smart one if the company grew to an extremely large size and we're like, you know what, we want to keep supplements in-house and we'll just make tailored formulations and it's like everybody, like for our whey, our greens, our multivitamin, our fish oil, like the, the fundamentals that we know we will provide to all clients, we just start that, you know. Yeah. Um, so I could see that, uh, and then of course like clothing, but I don't think it would really be like, we would do TCM clothing just, just because we want people rocking our shit. It, if I was going to create a clothing line or a clothing brand to be like a, its own business, it, I would take it outside of TCM. Um, tailored coaching method shirts are purely just like, we want to rock them yeah. personally. And if people are, are fans of our content or their clients and we want to send them shirts, like we're going to make them for them. That's, that's basically how, how far I see that going. Um, maybe having a storefront with that kind of stuff on it too. But, but I can't really see, I don't have any like visions of, of product lines or, or anything like that or different businesses, to be honest with you. I've thought about clothing brands many times, but I don't know. Me and Shannon have always joked about uh, owning a wine bar at some point in our life, which I could see happening, to be honest with you. I mean, there's nothing around here. Yeah. I mean, shit, even if just in our neighborhood, because they're building a store and all that, you know? Yeah. There's going to be a plaza. Like, that would crush in our neighborhood. Yeah. There's, like, going to be 9,000 homes at the end of the development, and 75% of them are parents. (laughs) Yeah, and there's a whole new development coming out by the storage unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Bonnie Lake as a whole would be a good place for it. There's not a wine bar in Bonnie Lake. Mm-mm. There's one in uh, Buckley. It's called Farm Something Farmhouse, mm. not Farm Twelve. It's yeah, called Farmhouse, know. and I don't even think it's actually just. No, I think it is a wine bar actually. Yeah. Um, and there's one in Enumclaw, but it's like this little tiny hole in the wall, like way out there, nobody knows about it. And then otherwise, you got to drive to Kent. Yeah, Kent Station is the closest one. Reds and then Renton, Vino's up there. Yep. I like Vino. Vino's dope. Yeah. Um, so we've thought about that, but that wouldn't be like tailored wine. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I <laughs> um, it should be a different, completely different entity. Yeah, I had a really good name for it actually. Um, and it was something like a pun off of like wine, but also like whining, like you're complaining. And I can't remember what it was, but it was funny. Like to the point where even Shannon laughed and was like, wow, that's actually really good. Nice. And if I get her yep. <laughs> to say that, I'm like, oh shit, that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I just can't think of anything. I think like, especially the last like six months, I've just been so focused on this that it's like, I can't really fathom. Taylor Trainer. I, I, I like, I mean, that's been the biggest focus, yeah. right? But, but even just the coaching company, like to me, I look at it like this, like I, I like the idea of being a multi-business owner and I like the benefits that it comes with. Mm-hmm. You make more money. You can provide more people with salaries. You affect more people depending on what you're doing. Um, and it's just generally cool. Like I like business. So it's generally cool to know that like I have multiple things going on. And financially speaking, that's smart to not have all your like th- rocks in one bucket kind of thing. Yep. But then also you can grow something way bigger if you do put all your rocks in one bucket. Um, so that is, part of me is like, that would be really cool. The other part of me is like, I can't even, th- like I don't want to start something just to start something because I'm so focused on making this the shit. And I would rather just like do investments. Like let me find somebody else who's going to be doing something and I'll throw in some money in the pot and watch totally. it grow over time because that's a smart thing to do. But I also don't know much about investments. Yeah. So it's like, 
There'll come a time. Yeah, there'll come a time. And I, I, th- I honestly think a wine bar would be the most realistic thing when Blakely's old enough that she's in school and Shannon has enough time to take the lead on that because yeah. I, I won't have yeah. enough time, I don't think. But we love wine. Yep. But, yeah. Dope. There you go, guys. Um, that was the last question for today. Um, go check out the Taylor Trainer. TaylorTrainer.net. Cool. That's really the only announcement. Yep. Got to check it out. It's the shit. Yep. Later. Dude.